This last year, we had John Bervier speak after Alex Hermosi the same day that Gary Vaynerchuk spoke, and he did an altar call, and half the room responded, you know, in a bold altar call, not kind of this like, you know, like I'm talking like the gospel, you know, shared in, in, in a secular event. And so I think going into that thinking, will somebody maybe complain or be upset? Perhaps would they even say, you know what? You tricked me. I want my ticket back. Here's your money. Because I would also much rather ultimately we're trying to live in view of eternity and realize that yes, business isn't a good idea. It's a God idea. Yes, producing value and and God gives us the power to produce wealth, take care of our families, employ people, take care of kids, generational wealth. This is all important. But more than anything, I'm a Christian, so Mm. I'm a disciple. So the Great Commission is my mission. Yo, yo, here with my boy, Sean. I'm so pumped for this uh, this interview with you, my man. Most people know you as... Uh, the YouTube guy. And as of this recording, you have 2.4 million subscribers on YouTube. You got a podcast with almost 100,000 subscribers, written the book, YouTube Secrets, um, with our good friend Benji Travis. But uh, that's what that what that's what everybody else knows you as. I know you, you as one of my best bros, someone that I care deeply about, Someone that um, loves me and loves my family, and I'm I'm just super pumped to to have you here and share your wisdom with the world, man. Good to have you, bro. Super grateful to be here, Alejandro. Holy hustle! I'm super fired up and just love the vision, and um, grateful to be hanging out with you and having this conversation today. Yeah, man. Well, l- let's jump right in with um, you know, can you tell folks a little bit about your journey as a Christian entrepreneur and kind of how you become this literally YouTube legend, um, the person that people look up to when it comes to how do they grow their online uh, influence with video? Yeah, you know, I appreciate it. It's it's wild because today we are 2023. I think we're 18 W2 employees, like eight contractors, a multi-million dollar business and revenue a year, over 3 million subscribers across channels, I think over 500 million video views. And life's just super weird because I'm a small town kid, college dropout. And I look back to where we all started. And I kind of feel like David, where he said, who am I that you've brought me this far? Like every day is weird for me and my, my wife and I, she's the CFO. I'm the CEO. I actually don't really like the term CEO. I'm much more resonating with a founder. I'm the founder of the company. I don't know how to be a CEO. I'm just trying to figure this thing out. And so, yeah, I mean, you take it all the way back. Um, I just started video, which is our expertise and what we teach in a local church context. And in a way, it wasn't that I chose video. It's almost that video chose me. My youth pastor, Jeff Morris, handed me a video camera and said, start making videos for the youth group. We were in a small town, an hour north of Seattle, um, 16 kids in the youth ministry. That's probably not true. There was like six kids in the youth ministry and I was interning and they handed me, uh, Jeff handed me a HV30 Canon camcorder and Adobe Premiere like version 1.0 basically and said, hey, start making videos for the youth group. And of course they were terrible, but that was 2003. So now I've been doing video for 20 years. And a couple of years later, we started a YouTube channel for the church two years after YouTube started. YouTube started in 2005. We started a channel for the church in 2007, and now I've been on YouTube for 16 years. And so it's actually my belief that if you're faithful with what's in your hand, God will give you what's in your heart. Mm. 
And I always wanted to make an impact in the marketplace. I always felt this call to marketplace ministry. I got to cut my teeth and really in a revival culture and a church culture. But I always loved Joseph and Daniel and and Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego and these guys who were 10x wiser than the sorcerers and then than the secular. And they they loved God. They were set apart and they were in Babylon but yet they had influence and they operated in supernatural power. And so that was always kind of my dream. I didn't know what it was going to look like, um, but here we are today. And so that was sort of the, the genesis of things. And it's pretty wild to see all that God has done. I remember a conversation, man, um, a few years ago. I, I, I remember where I was. I don't remember what year this was. And I called you. You had like, I think it was one of your most successful launches or something of that sort. And uh, I just remember going, hey, bro. And, and, and I, I knew on that call, we didn't really say anything, but I, I knew you're about to like your trajectory was about to go like this um, hockey stick. And you I, I remember saying, hey, man, how can I support you most right now? And you're like first thing you like split second later, you're like, bro, you got to keep me humble. And as a Christian entrepreneur, you know, when you start growing your audience and you get a little bit of clout, you start getting on podcasts or you start, you know, your engagement goes up, you're following, you get a blue check mark and things of that sort. Like, tell me a little bit about like that tension that you feel with so much attention on you and remaining humble at the same time. Yeah. You know, I think that, uh, number one, it's really important to have a wilderness season. And one of the things that I don't hold against some of the people coming into the game now, but it's one of my greatest worries is that maybe the younger generation or anybody that's jumping on social media is that your clout would grow bigger and faster than your character. And so I think one of the opportunities I've had was uh, I'm a digital immigrant, meaning I grew up before even AOL was sending us these CDs and 56K modems. And again, I got into video even before social media really started. And I, I got into, more importantly, I got into church and the word and into prayer and into soul development and character development and into serving in a local church, also just setting up events and serving young people and discipling young people. And so that certainly was, was, was huge. I think you, you, you can't, you don't want to shortcut those character development seasons Two, I think it's the intentional and top of mind pursuit of humility like that. For me, that's not a, ca a cavalier optional thing that I want to return to. It's like a daily thing I want to return to. What does that look like? One of my favorite character studies in the Bible is King Saul and is is David versus King Saul versus Absalom. Really good book called Three Kings classic kind of the unknown best. these days by, you know, Gene Edwards wrote that. And I just rewent through the life of Saul, and I think it's the, one of the most important characters in Scripture to study deeply. You, we wouldn't want to just study who we should model most, and that would be Christ. It would also be like the heart of David, who would be in a lesser version. Obviously, none of us are going to come to that. The, the God man perfected Jesus. And of course, that's our model. But it's also good to see like what not to do. And Saul's a really good example of like what not to do. He built a monument for himself, jealousy, insecurity. He was insecure of the leaders around him. You know, other he was insecure of David. When really, if he would have just partnered with David, he could have they could have built something awesome together ultimately. And so studying Saul and, and prayerfully 
being consistent to say, hey, I need to constantly pursue humility, especially like I told you, like keep me humble because there's so much external growth or promotion or things that are happening. And then I think it's giving the verbal invitation to people Mm. around you that you trust to be able to speak into your life and repeatedly saying it. And you know, it's tough because I know that this can happen in business culture, can happen in these like church cultures or mega church cultures is even if you do give the verbal invitation, sometimes there's an atmosphere where people who still maybe not give you that feedback or it can maybe not, man, you need that. Like I just, what am I not seeing or please? And I will tell like our executive team, our team directors, I'll say like, listen, I know I have blind spots. Like if I'm getting weird or I'm getting toxic, our, our, our company is ran by a couple. We now have a third person in our C-suite, Melissa, but you know, it was just my wife and I, and I, and having the self-awareness to be like, I know a lot of companies or or churches kind of toxic, just having a husband and wife leader only that you Mm. can't give feedback to. So I say, Hey, listen, y'all, I'm aware that we're the founders of this company. We own think media 50, 50. I know this could be weird for y'all. I want you to know I have ears to hear it. And, and a great sentence leaders could ask the people around them is, what would you tell me if you knew I wouldn't get offended? And I asked Kyle Anderson this last week in San Diego that as we were walking and he had some things to tell me and then mm. I got offended and I fired him. So ultimately, <laughs> uh, you know, but no, I was, I was like, yeah, like this is a safe space. Him and I one-on-one and he gave me super valuable insights about some stuff that was happening and so, so man, humility, I think is, is something to pursue. And not only that, this also is in a way, it's not even something to pray about. Sure. God, give me the right heart. But, but mm. the scripture says, humble yourselves and God will lift you up. So there's a mm. promise attached. And it also says pride comes before the fall. So this is, this isn't something we should be cavalier about. Scripture's already been clear. Like if we stay, if we get stuck in pride for too long, a fall is imminent and, mm. If if we can pursue humility, then there will be a grace in our life that God will lift it up, us up. And so to me, that literally was getting low in prayer on the floor this morning. And, and, and even as some of these things aren't popular anymore, just but I think there's something about being prostrate. There's something about physical actions have spiritual consequences and uh, doing some of these things to try to keep myself in a place of humility. No, I, I love that, that, you know, obviously God is the one that lifts you up. But man, over the last decade ish that we've known each other, man, you, you're the same guy. You're the same guy that, you know, us hanging out in Marysville, having lunch right outside. I think I was helping out with Christian Faith Center at the time. And uh, just hearing your heart, it's literally, you're literally the same, same guy, you know, and uh, just, you know, commend you for that, having, giving people access to your ear to speak into. And, and it's hard. It's hard sometimes. And so when you're, when there's a lot of people that can get defensive on those things, what would you say to those folks that, man, like, Sometimes I just get angry or I get upset when people are calling me out on things. Yeah, I mean, a couple things. I think that when you give the invitation for someone to give you feedback, the main thing you want to do is listen. It doesn't mean you have to accept it. It doesn't mean they're right. But the feedback is is valuable nonetheless. You know, perception is reality, not even with me personally, but some of the feedback that maybe someone on our team will give give me. I'll say, okay, I hear you. But what about this, this, this and this, you know, and actually this you should be carrying more responsibility here or you are casting blame or you are. So I think one of the most powerful things we could do as as leaders, though, is listen and then not respond and say, yeah, but 
I think just listening and absorbing and holding our tongue, a lot of leaders, myself being in the front of the line, should listen more and probably talk less. But I think that opening yourself up to the feedback here, here's the, the number one reason why I would encourage those who you may have a propensity to get offended or hurt by it. If you don't listen to this, though, you're ult- you're ultimately making yourself more vulnerable. You're missing mm. out not only on valuable feedback that could ultimately help you go further, but you're potentially going to miss a crack in your foundation that mm. could cause you to lose territory, not only not go further, but actually lose territory because we all have blind spots. So I think it's being OK, like emotions are going to rise up, things are going to come up. But one of the most important things we need as leaders is actual information. We need accurate information um, and we need at what what is the true state of things, this true state of of where leaders are at, where they're thinking, what perception is, where my spouse is at, how she's feeling, how they're feeling. And so, man, having a year to get critical feedback, at least setting your emotions aside to just listen, to take notes. I take notes in meetings. I just try to take notes. Exactly what people, I'm just trying to, I, and try to be as neutral as possible. Yeah. I'm trying to just listen neutrally, take notes. What are they saying? And if possible, Sony actually recently was listening to me do an exit interview with somebody and this person, I said, what were my blind spots? What were some things I missed? What some things I could have done better? Actually, not just with this individual, but with others from their vantage point. And I remember Sonia's temperament was getting like more and more and more and more heated because I know I'm not unbiased, but probably unbiasedly, she was like, what the heck? Like, that's wrong. This is wrong. She's thinking all that stuff. But I just sat there cool as a cucumber. And I just took notes. I was just literally, what are the facts that they're saying? Not that the events were facts. What were the quotes? What are the quotes that this person is saying? And then I had a page full of insight data. See, the better military strategist is just going to have more feedback mm. in data on the battlefield, on the state of the troops, on the state of, of the competitors, on the state. So if you can stay emotionally neutral, and then once it was all on the paper, we were able to end this conversation. And my wife and I were able to process it and maybe process it with other leaders on the team. What was maybe true about some of these things? What was maybe not true about some of these things? One of the most powerful things I've ever heard was from Billy Graham. And it was a quote that essentially said, the greatest leaders actually can learn from their critics and they can actually accept critical feedback. In a world in YouTube where they sometimes say, ignore the haters, in a world where sometimes megachurch pastors are like, oh, ignore the haters, I actually think there's a higher level of wisdom that's listen to the haters. And that's the good. healthiest leaders, if listening to criticism or toxic, I mean, if it's toxic, it's toxic, throw it out. But if listening to criticism is something you can't ha- handle, again, you, you are choosing to actually invite a blind spot. Whereas as soon as you get some feedback, you could get better because even if there's some truth in what that person said, so that's a good I could see how that that perception could have been there. Yeah. I could adapt my approach in the future. I could see how you may have felt that way or whatnot. Or I could see I really I, I just maybe it was a ha- bad season. Maybe I just completely missed it on that. Thank you, because this data and this insight allows me to be a better leader in the future. And so that's what I would say. Uh, not that it should be for your gain because we want to mm. serve others. But that's for good. the person who would hesitate on this, listen, you're going to be better off. You're going to be further down the road for the business owner. You're, you're going to have a better company culture. You're going to ultimately make more money. 
if you are willing to listen here and get critical feedback and apply it, even eat the meat and throw out the bones. Somebody's going to say stuff in emotion. Some of it is kind of messy in there, but what's the truth in there? And that's what Billy Graham was getting at. Man, what's the truth? That, man, this person might have been hurt, a little toxic, a little, a little smoke around this, but there's some truth in there. And if I can take that nugget and apply it, then ultimately I'm going to be able to make a greater impact overall as a leader. Yeah. And, and this is excellent insight into leadership building character, um, obviously running a successful company. Um, your, your company isn't a Christian business, um, but a lot of um, scriptures and, and, and beliefs and faith is woven into the DNA of your company. I was at an event that um, you hosted, First Grow With Video Live, and you were talking, uh, I think, about Ecclesiastes. And so, um, you know, how has, you know, not being a Christian company, but putting your faith out there, being bold uh, about there, have you, you know, has this hit, you know, hurt sales as a lot of people, maybe they don't want to start a Christian company, but they are Christian and they want to be bold with their faith. How was that? A, was that a conscious decision or is that who you were and you put out into the world and kind of made a, you know, um, your mission? Yeah. The, I love this question because I've actually been very, very thoughtful about this thing. Number one was I wanted to make the conscious decision in our branding and our positioning. And I'm not a very big fan of like three nails real estate group, you know, or like, you know, John the Baptist, you know, painters where you overly Christianize a company. So to your point, we're not a Christian company. Like we, we one of the things we do is tech and video reviews. And we don't do like Christian camera reviews. The context of the room is we're just going to do excellent camera reviews. So I think number one was it was like, okay, we're going to be a business. Number two, it was also this pursuit of excellence. The language of the marketplace is excellence. The language of entrepreneurship is entrepreneur solve problems for a profit. To what degree does your solution work? First, I'm coming to you for the solution and one of the things that was actually very influential in my life was this book, Dutch Sheets, Intercessory Prayer. And one of the approaches in evangelism was, was felt need. Like people don't know they need Jesus, but they know their marriage is about to break apart. Mm. And you meet them at that felt need. So I saw that in the language of business, what does business do? Well, it solves needs. It solves problems. So I thought, okay, thing one, we don't need to be churchy or overly spiritual or weird or overly Christianese anything. Let's just have cool branding. Let's have and let's have, you know, a clear, strong promise thing to let's be excellent and, and actually have gain influence through excellence. And then number three was where naturally appropriate, though, I'm not afraid to weave in my faith. Now, I've actually grown in boldness, perhaps as I've gotten older, I'm going to turn 40 this year, perhaps as I now have children and I think about the world I want them to live in, perhaps as maybe we're more stable. I was when sales were a little shakier in the beginning, not because of sharing my faith or not, just because we were in sheer growth and survival mode there. I'm at a place today where I don't care about firing customers or losing customers or losing influence. And it might be easier to say like self-awareness wise, it might be easier to say because we have a level of momentum that for potentially everybody you lose, those you gain when you stand for your values and, and stand for your convictions. Come on. And I would apply that to actually anybody, though. I do think we're living in a world where, again, you're afraid of losing a customer. You should be okay with that. One of my uh, friends in, who's been influential in business has been Shalene Johnson, and she would actually encourage me. She said, we love firing customers. 
Like, why are we trying to hang on to them? Even the, and especially in, in terms of like coaching or education, she's training people in marketing and they have like a private group. She's like, we want the culture of that group to be awesome. And her thing was like, if someone's a jerk, if they're toxic, if they're weird, if they're hard to please, take your money back. Like we would much rather have a great culture, even for the other people in the group and even for our own team and employees. So I think early on when you're scraping for every dollar and scraping to make payroll or to just pay yourself, it's sometimes hard to have this kind of clarity, but I would encourage folks with that. And then I think finally, I'm very passionate. I've always felt I've been inspired by John Maxwell who first like gained credibility for being a truly world-class author, leadership teacher with unbreakable leadership principles, Bible-based, unapologetic. And his influence in the world and in the marketplace was through excellence first, which gave him a platform to share about where was he getting all this wisdom, the Bible, to give him a platform to teach a leadership workshop. And then to say, hey, if you want to stay for the bonus session, I'm going to share you the real secrets of the whole thing, which is my faith. And then he would share the gospel. And so trailblazers like that have influenced how I want to conduct my business because I get to meet people at the place of a pain point, how to find a camera, YouTube. And then there could be something that's like, man, I've heard a little bit about your story about how your wife almost died and all the stuff you guys have been through. What kept you going through that? I'm oh, my faith, you know, my relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, I've heard about your team culture, you seem like you're different. You guys have like peace in the midst of storms and chaos. Oh yeah, we've got peace that surpasses all understanding. So kind of like this open door of influence. And then what I also was noticing though, and I know this is very unpopular in culture, but what I noticed, especially in this kind of personal development, personal growth, online education space, people are super outspoken about the new age, the crystals, <laughs> they're summoning their energy from, you know, they're the higher power, they're channeling through their chakras and all this kind of stuff. Universe. And that may or may not be making people uncomfortable, but no one seems to mind like, and I've been to some of these events where like it's, it's, you know, marketing business tips, whatever. And then all of a sudden there's like a guided meditation. So it's like, yo, that was their event. They could do what they want. So I'm like, this is our event. We could do what we want. Growth video this last year. We had John Bervier speak wow. after Alex Hermosi the same day that Gary Vaynerchuk spoke. And he did an altar call and half the room responded, you know, in a bold altar call, not kind of this like, you know, like I'm Cute. talking like <laughs> the gospel, you know, shared in, in, in a secular event. And so um, I think going into that thinking, Will somebody maybe complain um, or be upset? Perhaps would they even say, you know what? You tricked me. I want my ticket back. Here's your money. Because I would also much rather ultimately we're trying to live in view of eternity and realize that, yes, business isn't a good idea. It's a God idea. Yes, producing value and, and God gives us the power to produce wealth, take care of our families, employ people, take care of kids, generational wealth. This is all important. But more than anything, I'm a Christian. So I'm a disciple. So the Great Commission is my mission. So how does my business, how could it be used for, for the kingdom? It, it, I would say that, A, that is its primary purpose, but it's not the primary purpose of business. Like, it's the primary purpose of the local church. It's the primary right. purpose of, the, of a believer inside of the business. But for us, we are a little bit more overt thinking about how can we, one time after our event, uh, which ended on a Saturday, we let everybody know that we would drive them to church on Sunday, and we rented two buses and brought 80 people to our church in Las Vegas. So, so cool. just use, like, and, and like, super chill, like, hey, 
By the way, whatever your background or whatever your beliefs, our face is a big thing to us. If you're still in, in town tomorrow, uh, we have a couple buses. We'll, we're going to you know go to breakfast, take you to church. you know. And so it's been kind of just something we're trying to figure out and incorporate in our company. And that's some of the ways that we've done it. One of the things that I love um, that Frank Kern talks about, he talks about shared core values are some of the most influential. It's one of the most influential things ever. And so when I say I'm a family guy, when I have photos of my, 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 my family, I'm going to probably attract people like that. When you're sharing your faith, you're going to most likely attract, I, 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 you know, the events that I've been to, I, I connect with a lot of believers. And so by default, you're not like, Hey, come check out this Christian event, you know, but it is based on the core values that you're sharing through your videos, through your live trainings and things of that sort. So I think it is very um, persuasive. And we don't use that strategy just because we know it works. Oh, I'm going to just say I'm a Christian, you know, but, but, but it, if that's who we truly are, you'll begin to attract those, com- those, those kind of people. And yeah, firing people that just don't vibe with you, you know, then, you know, that is, that is what it is. You talked about you talk about this uh, every. I, I've seen this uh, on your feed a couple times. You've shared this about you know Sonia and the story uh, where you had a one of the worst times of your life. I remember um, it was it was in the fall sometime closer to Christmas, and I think a few of your clients fired you. You got fired from a job. Sonia's sick, and it was a really dark time for you. Can can you talk a little bit about that season of your life and how your faith? Your, your community really helped you during that time? Yeah. So there's actually, that's kind of two different stories. So, mm. so my wife uh, has had health challenges over the years, but 2009 was the year she almost died. Mm. 2015 was the year that all the freelance clients. So I've been, so I've been through di- like ups and downs, different wilderness seasons as everybody listening to this is, has as well. But I would say back in 2009, we, a lot of things happened all at once. The, the real estate, bubble crashed. Mm-hmm. And we, as a young couple from the momentum and actually from advice around us, I mean, I guess no hard feelings towards anybody. It's all good. Okay. But we had a lot of advice around us. So it was like, houses are appreciating like crazy. You should get into a house. You guys should buy a house. We're like, okay. So we got a house on declared income on an 80, 20 arm, could barely afford it. So we wouldn't turn the baseboard heaters on unless someone built a fire in the woods fire stove, literally to save money. We're like eating top ramen. And we had two roommates as a new couple, paper thin walls, now, it wasn't even a bathroom in the master bedroom, tiny little house, super old, falling apart. It was like a lemon, like the roof was collapsing. There was black mold. And I go, what are we thinking? We overpaid. Probably it's all inflated. So there was and then we got a second house. We put a tenant in that one. And so the big short happens. This is 2009. Now, the tenant lost their job. We had multiple roommates, a family, their daughter, and this other house. They have to move out. Everything's falling apart. We One house forecloses. One house has to short sale. Then I'd been in church as I started doing video. And as we were approaching that time, things got a little bit weird for the last couple of years. And again, it started great. It was real revival. And just kind of like, this is some of the lessons I learned. Like you can start, Saul started well. He started incredible actually. And the spirit of God came on him. Mm. He was changed into a new man. He prophesied. He's hanging out with the prophets. He had multiple victories. There was a choice and free will in his life. He did not have to go the way he went, but that's why it's a good warning for us. Cause just cause you start well, or just cause you're doing well in the, in the middle, doesn't mean you're going to finish well. And so some of the leaders stole some money. They definitely got into some insecurity, some pride, some uh, some 
stuff went to different individuals' heads. And I look back, I'm grateful for everything I learned in the leadership case study of it. Very mm. sad of the wounds that it inflicted, perhaps on us, because it's traumatic no matter what, but people who left the faith because, I mean, it's a lot of responsibility when you're, you know, strike the shepherd and the sheep, you know, scatter. Anyways, so that church falls apart and we're kind of shell-shocked because we had been building there. And I had then started a freelance business called Clear Vision Media doing video production. And then my wife got super sick and almost died. And years ago, years previous, she went to the Philippines and came back on a mission trip and came back and was throwing up like 10 to 15 times a day. And because of that, doctors didn't know what was happening. She dropped down to 82 pounds. They did a feeding tube, Jay Junum, in her side, placed it wrong. So the liquid, instead of going into her stomach, was filling up her body cavity, which will suffocate your organs and kill you quick. And so ultimately, we ended up in the hospital for six days. And I remember sitting there and all of this was happening. This was all on my mind. I'm like, my wife's stabilized, but I'm thinking through. She was actually the main breadwinner. Um, I was waiting tables at Red Robin, trying to get that clear vision media off the ground, stopped working at the church as everything started falling apart and that didn't pay well anyways. And so she was the breadwinner, but now she's working. It was crazy how much we're trying to pay for these houses too. She's working for, you know, a hair salon as the front desk, waiting tables, nannying and, and because of her health, our income is going massively down. And so I'm here thinking about the houses, thinking about the church and I've, this is a very transformational experience for me because I remember God challenging me like you got to man up, like you got to lead, like you also could give in to despair or you could tap into my strength and your weakness. And it was 100% just faith in God and trust and, and prayer. And yes, the community, yeah, the, some of the leaders in the church kind of fell apart, but we did have people around us, you know, and just grateful and so we stayed anchored in our faith. We could have ran away from God. We ran to God. And no doubt about it, in that season, uh, it was our faith that carried us through. And it was also two decisions. One decision was we were going to keep learning, keep looking for medical answers, keep praying, and just like attack the health situation from every angle, doctors, naturopaths, you know, figuring things out and, um, and then keep learning as well. I was like, I'm going to figure out how to do this. That was what was the genesis of going all in on YouTube and trying to wow. figure out how to make money online was to provide for my family. And it wasn't for like this internet lifestyle where it was like pina coladas with a laptop by the pool, but it was like, man, I got to pay medical bills. Like, and so it lit a fire in me to man up, to step up, to, to lean in. And so to then learn at a new level of how do you do business and how do you do online marketing? And, and I, I had figured out some stuff on YouTube at affiliate marketing. That was the original vehicle that, uh, eventually gave us full-time income entrepreneurially. Um, but we were going to keep learning and that we were going to keep going, you know, it's kind of like, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And what David said there, he wasn't like, though I camp in the valley of the shadow of death. And we saw how dark it was around us, but that was not the place to set up our tents and settle. And I have seen a lot of people sometimes settle in the valley of the shadow of death. And that's wow. not minimizing how bad it is and how dark it is. You know, I think some military general said, if you're going through hell, Winston Churchill, keep going. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're going through hell, don't stop. Like that'd be the wrong place. Like it might really suck, 
but but don't quit. And so that's that's what ultimately what we did. We kind of just sucked it up and it was it's kind of a blur. And it was like God protected us just to even sustain and how terrible everything around us was. But what we got to see is is ultimately his faithfulness. And then, of course, hindsight is 2020 because we didn't think we'd be able to have kids or a family. And you fast forward to today. Wow. Um, and through medical treatments and prayer and, and through prophetic words and like that you're going to have a son by this time next year. And like, I know you're not supposed to do like mates dates and things like that, but like we got, so I got like two days in two in, in a row of, of, uh, some individuals prophesying our now son, Sean Bradley, who's two and a half. We have another boy. And then of course, what's happening in our business. And one of the most profound things, Alejandro, that I've ever heard was my wife say, as we were reflecting on all of this, she said, I would not have changed it. Mm. Now she has a chronic illness called gastroparesis that she's still dealing with today. She has a gastric stimulator that's attached with uh, like a pacemaker to your heart. It's a pacemaker to your stomach. Wow. And I'm like, I remember it shook me because in the moment I was like, I would have like to protect you or everything we went through. Mm. But she literally was like, no, like I wouldn't have changed it. Because how God has used it in humbling us, it happened so young. We got the gift of mortality motivation, which is facing death, staring death in the face and realizing how brief life is. Teach me to number my days so I'll gain a heart of wisdom. So she just saw it as this gift and how it brought us closer together and what it did to us as a couple. And and so I first of all, I I would have never said had she not said that, that I wouldn't have changed it. But accepting her leading the charge in that, I'm like, wow, you're you're that is such a profound perspective, Sonia, on on what hardship has produced within us and within our marriage and with us in us as a couple and how God ultimately was setting us up to to move to Vegas, to meet people we met, to, to now start the company we've met, the relationships and the lessons. And when we realize that these light and momentary troubles are nothing compared to the surpassing glory that awaits us, it is, it's powerful to think about how God has used that challenging season to create, you know, really ultimately who we are and uh, as a couple and as leaders. And it's, it's been a wild journey. It just makes me think, man, like, I wonder if you have the same impact, kingdom impact, because you said, man, I wouldn't have wanted to go through that. But I wonder the boldness and the faith that you possess now and that you put out into your communities in the world is as a result of the things you've gone, you've gone through. And so, man, how, how grateful are you for Sonia to have that boldness and to think that way? Incredibly so. I mean, she's an incredible woman and it's, it's been humbling to see how, how, she, how she has conducted herself being in chronic pain or continuous pain or being those different seasons. And even, and also, by the way, I mean, it, I definitely don't even want it to sound like it was just one triumphant faith journey where we never were shook in. It was a bumpy road. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And one of the things, even as we started having success in our business was during that gap of, of not having kids and that being, we've been married 17 years. Mm. So we didn't have kids for 13, not by choice, but because of these different circumstances. One that also positioned us and, and me to, being a season where I was able to focus on my wife, but on business and so have, 
which was a big deal and kind of letting us get, you know, a ton of momentum and a lot of hustle that it would have been different if I had that responsibility of kids. So that was you could see kind of God's hand in that, at least in terms of things. And that was also just playing the hand we were dealt. It was a situation we were in. So it was, it was this, you know, what we were going through. But when we were volunteering in that original church, all of our peers were 20 and 21 when we're like getting plugged into this church. I get into video. They all got married young. We all got married young and they all had kids instantly. So it was also like we were just on this kind of different path than everybody else. And help deferred makes the heart sick. And in those last couple of years, you know, that combined with the pressures of business and the pressures of, you know, I think our clout and our business growing bigger than my character. I got into a season where I was over drinking and trying to medicate through all kinds of stuff where uh, that was sort of part of it. And one, I think that, of, of course, I have to take responsibility as a leader. But two, there were some very empathetic people who ministered, you know, to me in hindsight saying, there's a reason you do that. Like when you're hurting and when you have unresolved pain or when you're processing things, it's not the mm. right way to process it. But they yeah. they sort of, you know, God's faithfulness in that whole whole time. Like we we have a great high priest who can, you know, empathize with us in our in our weaknesses. So so all that to say was like it was not like it. I want to be very vulnerable and encouraging too, that it wasn't this triumphant faith journey of like <laughs> all that happened and we just never wavered, but you know, ups and downs of, of, uh, of, of seasons of even dark night of the soul and challenges we've been through, but man, we can look back and say, you know, he has been faithful yeah. and, and when we were faithless, he was faithful and God yeah. has been working in our family and our business through all these years. Yeah. I've seen the faithfulness of God a hundred percent in your life and you know, there was a time where you said you felt like, you know, you went all in as a, as a result of I need to be the man now. And so you went all in um, with YouTube. There's bumpy roads. But, you know, you, 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 you said, I think over three million subscribers across uh, the channels that you, you do have. Um, YouTube, obviously, you've been really helpful. You were instrumental in helping me. We had a little family channel for a little bit, worked with Disney Target as a result of learning your strategies. But YouTube's interesting. No one says they want to be a TikToker. No one says I, I want to be this Instagram or they I think even being a YouTuber, people say that, you know, is kind of cooler than it is being an influencer, as I think that maybe word is going away a little bit. So for folks, talk a little bit about why YouTube right now. Yeah. So I mean, YouTube offers unique opportunities that none of the other social media platforms offer. Most of which is that YouTube is the only platform where your content lives forever. You can create a YouTube video today that if positioned properly and architected correctly can get views for you, not just for weeks, months, but potentially years to come. I have 10 year old YouTube videos that are still getting views and that are connected to passive income streams so essentially, 10-year-old videos are earning me passive income. It's not a weird, scammy thing. It's just simply the fact that because YouTube is different, it allows for you to get the highest return on investment of your time and energy when it comes to creating content. Compare that to Facebook. Ain't nobody looking at your Facebook post from 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Compare that to TikTok or Instagram. No one's looking at your stuff from a week ago or a month ago, whereas YouTube is different because YouTube is a content library. The other platforms are content feeds. So 
we all grew up probably going to the library at our school or a local library in our city, Dewey Decibel system. And when you had a question or a pain point, you would actually go to the librarian or go to little index cards before it was digital and figure out where's the history section. Okay. Where's the even entertainment section? Goosebumps. Come on, Arlstein. You know, where's where are these different sections? And then you'd go seek it out. So that's what YouTube is. YouTube is a content library. So when you put out a video about your niche in business, a video that's answering a specific question, a video that is helping someone reach their ambitions, a video that's comparing two different options, comparing two different SaaS products. Like if in digital marketing, a video that is like ClickFunnels versus Kajabi 2023 is powerfully positioned for people to not only then discover you because they're trying to make maybe a decision, but if that connected to your bigger brand, then they also could subscribe and maybe end up working with you because you're going to help them build all that. But even both of those programs have affiliate programs. And so whether they choose ClickFunnels or Kajabi, they could click your link and you could then earn revenue if anybody signs up for each of those. And if you think about that, this is kind of revealing how nuanced we have used. I used YouTube originally talking about cameras to build Mm. a six-figure income is when somebody is looking for this versus that product, software, Peloton versus Nordic Track, at that moment, they're also pretty close to a buying decision most likely. Mm. They have narrowed it down to I'm either going to go with ClickUp or Monday.com. I'm either going to go with, you know, Nordic Track or a Peloton or the Amazon budget DIY build out your 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 ghetto Peloton, your your skip the app Peloton um, and save some money. And so when you create that video, you then are at that point where someone's about to, you know, make a purchase decision. That video could pay you through ads. It could pay you through the affiliate links. But if you're intelligent, if you're a fitness coach and you help people, you know, lose weight or get their macros right and their diet right, and they're looking for Peloton versus Nordic Track, they find you. They're like, oh, this person's kind of cool. Then it also is a way to attract actual people into your world. So when you think about these are we uh, we teach like different types of YouTube videos guaranteed to get views. Surefire video ideas guaranteed to get views. Mm. Answering specific questions, teaching specific skills, reviewing specific products. The versus strategy, comparing two products or comparing to, you know, if you were teaching, if you had a faith channel, you could, what's the difference between Christianity and Islam? What's the difference between Christianity and Mormonism? These are points of actual detailed YouTube videos that again, if you're talking about the right topics, that's how you start to grow on YouTube. And then coming all the way back to where we started, the reason YouTube's unique is if you put out quality content about these things, you know, if someone's following you on Instagram and you put out a reel answering a specific question, that's great. It may Mm. do very well. It may go viral right now, but it's going to have a shelf life that is going to expire. Whereas you put out quality content on YouTube about these pillar topics, these quality topics. And it doesn't have to happen every time. It doesn't happen every time. But if a portion, you post 100 videos, if 25 of those are still getting views three, four, five, six years later and bringing you leads, customers, clients, sales, clicks on affiliate links and passive income through ad revenue once your channel is, is monetized, you it, it, the unlock, I hope it's the light bulb moment that people hear. As soon as the revelation of the truth of YouTube, you know, like as soon as it hit me, I'm like, this is, I want to be smart with how I spend my energy. My friend Rory Vaden in his product, his number one biggest productivity secret, he wrote a book called Procrastinate on Purpose. And he said his number one biggest productivity secret was 
how can I spend my time today in such a way that it will give me more time tomorrow? So good. And so anything that I do today that is trading time for money, it's fine. Like if I have to be the one who jumps on, does the sales call, fulfills on it. But if I have to just keep doing that, then it's not giving me more time tomorrow. It may be what I need to do today in order, but any activity. So I started to realize like, oh my gosh, literally YouTube is true automation. It's true passive income. It's, it's like my Star Wars clone army. Mm. I make a video as Sean Cannell one time, but then I have multiplied myself so and cool. I'm talking to hundreds or thousands of people on the internet while I'm hanging out with my kids, while I'm going on vacation. If you thought about it in brick and mortar or hitting the streets business terms, you could go door knocking and you could go knock on doors in your local city to try to sell solar or to try to sell Cutco knives mm -hmm. or to cold call people. And the only the results of the efforts you're getting is how many people can you call? Can you cold call? How many people can you close? Well, YouTube's the opposite. You don't have to cold call anybody. It's actually attraction. It's inbound because people, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, they search for something, they find your video, and you're building no like, and trust, answering their questions, developing a relationship. It's passive prospecting. You're developing that relationship, and then they're even able to enter potentially into your funnel, maybe become all the way down your funnel and actually be a conversion, and you took the whole month off. Because you have a true asset working for you. And this is made possible because of the power of YouTube. It's powerful. It's the, would you say it's the best real estate online? Yeah. YouTube is like digital real estate and it is absolutely the best having, we call them ranked videos. Our, our signature course is called Video Ranking Academy, which is probably not the best name as a whole aside, like as I've learned more things. But, you know, it's it's multiple years. We've done new versions. You kind of just stick with it. But at least because the problem with the name is you have to educate people what ranking is mm. and to, re, to have more broad appeal. It, it means there's some heavy lifting. What's the actual desire? The desire is probably like passive income with YouTube or like an evergreen leads machine or YouTube viral academy, although it's not really what we teach because you don't really need to go viral what you want is you want to have ranked videos, which means they're being viewed either from search or, or YouTube suggesting them around specific topics to achieve whatever purpose you want, leads, customer sales, influence so that brands pay you. And you can make all of those dreams come true by learning how to rank videos because you make mm. a video today that works for you tomorrow when you're not working. I love it. I think the million dollar question is, um, you know, if you were starting a channel from scratch today, how would you get your first thousand subscribers? There's long form, there's shorts now, there's live, and you talked about podcast features now. So what would you do to get those first thousand subscribers from scratch and what that, what that content strategy would look like? So I have a two-part answer for how to get your first thousand subscribers. Let's hit part one. If your goal is just to get your first thousand subscribers in 2023, the way to do it the fastest would probably be YouTube Shorts. YouTube Shorts are getting 50 billion views per day now. I think there's 1.5 billion monthly active users just consuming Shorts. And for the listener, they can go to their YouTube app, make sure it's updated. Shorts is its own experience on YouTube that's worth jumping into to get a feel for what it is. The, the reason this would be the best is because creativity works best in constraints. So you're limited to vertical video format, less than 60 seconds. And all you really need is a smartphone to start creating relevant shorts. And so getting to your first 1,000 subscribers, the quickest and 
easiest way. YouTube's also promoting shorts because they're competing with TikTok, Facebook Reels, Instagram Reels for market share and mind share. They're giving extra juice to YouTube Shorts. So if it was like, how do I get my first 1,000 subscribers? That's how you would do it. But here would be my second answer. Why do you even want your first 1,000 subscribers? The biggest mistake people make with YouTube is they start chasing views and subscribers before they have fierce clarity Mm. about who their audience is, what their business does, and who their subscribers should actually be. It reminds me of one of our students, Jen DeVore. She teaches attraction marketing and actually helps people like personal brand by publishing like a physical magazine that they distribute to their different clients or their different leads to kind of build up that authority to get invited to speak places. So she has this specialized thing she does for entrepreneurs and those that want to build their personal brand. She sent us an email and she said, Hey, Sean, Hey, thick media team. I just had my best week ever in business. It was an $11,000 week all because of what I learned in Video Ranking Academy. At that time, Jen DeVore had 546 subscribers. So to me, that's actually the better answer to how to get your first 1,000 subscribers is do you even need 1,000 subscribers? Mm. Because Jen has that now, but she actually, what she needed was the right people that she's getting in front of. So certainly there are some people who are like, I want to be an influencer, I want to be a YouTuber, and I don't want to make it in the creator economy. Well, then, yeah, you're going to probably need a lot of subscribers. It's, It's a volume play. But especially for a lot of people on that holy hustle, I think it's about getting fiercely clear about what's your positioning in the marketplace? What's your unique selling point? What's your point of difference? What is your core offer? Um, And then it also might be that, yeah, you also want to have as big an audience as possible. And that's true too, because the more the merrier, if you also, is your sales process great? Do you have a good funnel? Can you fulfill? Can you do one to many because it's a digital course or something? If it is client work or something that's done with you and you only need a few clients, There's a lot of people I talk to that like how many clients, I like define how many clients a month do you need? One of the, I do a one-on-one coaching with David Bay from uh, American Business Heroes. And so he coaches small businesses. He's done gas stations and all these. So it's very niche. And so I'm like, let's get really clear. How many clients do you need a month? And he only needs two. Because he really works, they, and it's very specific. They're doing multiple six figures a year, right? So they're probably doing 200, 300, 400K a year. And he knows he can help them scale, especially in like this local t- city, almost small town scenario. So now we will reverse engineer his whole strategy to map towards that. If, the, if his thing was just getting into the vanity metrics view game, then you're just going to go after the most trendy viral topics or use tactics that are just going to lead to maximum reach. But that doesn't mean necessarily that that's going to be the most effective thing for you. So how you define success is everything. More the merrier, maybe with reach, but oftentimes having a fiercely clear definition of what succeeding looks like in your business and what your own KPIs and OKRs are, you know, what your own key performance indicators are, what your business model is, that is the thing to define first. And then to that end, by the way, YouTube will work for everybody listening to this. That's what's cool is like YouTube is, you definitely should be on YouTube, 
but your definition of what success on YouTube is could be skewed. You may only need 546 subscribers like Jen DeVore to start having record-breaking weeks and developing untold amounts of revenue because you got your YouTube strategy right. It was subservient. Your YouTube strategy serves your business vision, your business strategy, your business performance indicators, not the other way around. And this comes from the guy who's made the most mistakes with it. I am guilty <laughs> of getting sucked into being driven by the algorithm, being chasing views or just chasing growth. And, and this is where I've learned the wisdom to take a step back and be like, what for? Mm. Is this really is it we're getting subscribers, but are they the right subscribers? Um, you know, if you watch just a lot of subscribers, just embarrass yourself, you know, do a prank channel, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, do something dumb. Just follow the latest fad or trend. But is that really built to last? Is that really the legacy you want to build or are you just chasing that? And nobody listening to that would probably do that. But it, the principle remains the same. We sometimes will just kind of placate the algorithm and potentially lose our vision or lose ourselves or lose the clarity of what we started this thing for in the process. What is that balance, though, of wanting to get the views, you know, culture hack, you know, news hack to, to, to play the game, but also, you know, I think a lot of these folks here are consulting, they're selling courses of talking about things that are going to get people to buy my courses. Like, do you have some sort of idea around that? Yeah, I mean, the balance is just like, it's just a, it's an order of priorities. Mm. Just get crystal clear yep. on who is it? Who's your target audience? What problem do you solve for them? Who is your ideal customer? And for your course or for coaching, and then as a result, what is also your freemium, freebie, lead magnet? What is your way of, are you getting people on, do you want to get them on the phone? Do you want to get them on an email list? Do you want to get their phone number? Is it going to be text message? Do you want to get them in a Discord group? You need some way to lead collect because YouTube is going to be a broader strategy. Just because someone's a subscriber, you don't have permission to absolutely reach them. And algorithmically, a lot of times, just like any platform, you won't be able to reach them. So I would say it's essential to do email marketing and, and be building your list. So then you're thinking about what is the right free offer mm. or low cost offer for them? And then your content strategy is informed by that. So so long as you get some of those things in first and what happens for a lot of people is they do the reverse. They don't do the hard work of getting the foundations of their business solid mm. and they get into the social media game or the content creation game. And there's two big problems with that. Number one is you might be incredibly successful, but what mm. will happen is because you have not set up a way to capture leads or to follow up or to actually serve people at a deeper level, people will come and go. So you'll miss out on all this, you experience all of this growth in a way, there's holes in your nets you're going to be losing opportunity along the way because you didn't set that up first. Secondly, is you ultimately might experience or secondly, is you just always are struggling kind of paycheck to paycheck. You're kind of start you, you grow a large social media following, but you don't have a strong financial foundation for your business because you're like, why? Well, I, I figure that's one of the biggest myths. If my audience is big enough, then the money will come. You know, if I just break through, then the money will come. And that's number one, it's not true. Number two, it's fickle because it may, you may, a lot of people who are dependent on the Instagram Reels payout program, they just canceled it. So like, so literally like maybe you were going viral on Instagram and Meta and Facebook, right? And 
And all of a sudden reels play dried up. And so you have outsourced your finances to the TikTok creator program to even YouTube ad revenue or something else. So man, it's those business foundations is huge. But yeah, once, once you have that in place and it is a, I would agree with you. It could be a balance. You could try to build both. There's something you're not waiting years to just sit around and over. That's probably would sound more like procrastination to me than actually productivity. But if you're going to launch a podcast, start a YouTube channel, start doing some things, you know, you want to be building both simultaneously. And I don't mean I, I lend myself towards the front. I, I enjoy marketing or content creation or the things. And here's why, because that's that that's what gives us the, the most feedback. It gives us the most dopamine. I'm a dopamine addict. People say, don't <laughs> check your phone when you get out, out of bed first thing in the morning. I always check my thing, my phone first thing. <laughs> it's just the first thing. Same. Oh, don't do it. I'm like, I've tried to break that, but it's just because usually I, I, I hit the restroom first and I mean, I'm not, I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. It's just not the first thing I know. Seek first the <laughs> kingdom. I miss, it's my mistake there, but like I'm a dopamine addict. So so yes. Oh, cool. I had, oh, wow. I posted a vertical short or I did a reel and it got 3000 views and we get pumped. Like we think our business is growing. The, the problem with working hard on crafting an irresistible offer or setting up a funnel or writing an email sequence or working on hiring or getting somebody to ha- to help you or assist you or to actually craft your product or to craft all that stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't reward you immediately. It's the hard work Mm. that rewards you deeply once you've built it. And then once you add the social media or marketing or paid traffic fire to it. But a lot of times it's, it's a tough one. It's, it's like, this is like the, the hard thing about hard things. Like you got to kind of do hard things, be disciplined and kind of eat the frog of some Mm. of these business mechanics while simultaneously, sure, do social media. But for some people, you should maybe slow down before you speed up and get get your foundations right so that uh, when your social media virality comes, you're ready. And the final thing I'll say is it's like I would also call it. Are you ready to go on Oprah? Are mm. you ready to go on Oprah's book club? Because one of the things we knew is that if you got featured on Oprah's book club, you would be a bestseller instantly. What's wild is we're living in a world where you can have that Oprah moment at any time. You could have your viral moment. It might be video 13. It might be video 33. It might be video 333. But there could be that moment where all of a sudden you go from obscurity to popularity. The problem is, imagine if you went on Oprah and she's like, I'm so excited. So so your book is out. You go, well, it's I mean, the manuscript's done. She goes, well, is there a website? Is there... I don't have a website for it, but if people could remember, if people could just, Hey, write this down. And, and when I get it done, if you could remember to cut, listen, if people can't buy it, if your sales process, if your lead capture, if your website is kind of janky and not loading and doesn't make sense. And and, and the load time is too long. People are fickle. You need to get your business right because you want to be ready for that Oprah moment. And if the Oprah moment never comes, there's plenty of success to be had by slow and steady wins, one view at a time, one subscriber at a time. But what I've learned is that when you stay consistent in this game, it comes for everybody. We call it VFM, viral for me. It might not be that you get 3 million or 30 million views, but all of a sudden you're just getting 300 views on a video, 33 views on a video, 500 views on a video. And then all of a sudden you get 55,000. You want to have the right 
call to action, funnel built, lead capture set up when you have that 55,000 moment. And then what mm -hmm. often happens is then all of a sudden you hit 55,000 and then the next one is 13,000. But then you start getting 155. And then over time, you look back five years later and you're like, dude, that video has 575,000 views. And the entire time, I had a clear value prop, mm. a clear way to invite my ideal audience into my world to get on my list. And now you've actually built a real business that so things get fun and interesting. By the way, kind of it's kind of a bummer because you're like, it's only going to take a lot of work, blood, sweat, tears, pain. But I am incredible. Like the level of peace of mind and financial security and and joy I used to go on vacation with my family, right? And we'd be stressed and worried, like, should we really order that? Because finances were <laughs> tight. Or we were going to have to make up for the debt we collected while on vacation and hustle when we got back. See, when the, the, the opportunity being offered to everybody listening to this is to create real leverage so that you actually yep. have, you're tapping into the power of YouTube and this ability to have views 24-7, 365, passive prospecting, leads coming in 24-7, 365, into proven sales processes to your offers and products so that it's not only that you've saved up money because of how you've run your business, it's actually that you have reoccurring revenue coming in because you're tapping into the combination of these powerful tools and how they could be used for entrepreneurs and business owners to really create like an evergreen 24 seven cash machine that gives you insane peace of mind, insane lifestyle, insane ability to scale and work on the next thing and hire and do more because of the power of YouTube. This thing is real and it works if you work it. That's so powerful. And I think folks that are listening to or watching this podcast, just like the, the game, the, the how excellent you are at your craft, um, the hours that you put in, um, your dedication to this um, shows just the way what you've built and the way that you communicate it. Um, with, with all that said, man, what are you most proud of of yourself in what you've been able to create for your family. I think I'm, uh, I appreciate it uh, for your kind words. And, you know, I think I'm most proud of one building a faith driven company. I mentioned, mm -hmm. I, I think when we had John Brevere speak, it was like a full circle moment. Oof. Yeah. And I remember I grew up, I read like Beta Satan and like all his books, Undercover, Driven by Eternity, Honors, Reward. And, and so he's kind of a, a hero. I also, especially as we're seeing, Decades pass as I approach 40 and we've seen people come and go um, and seen people rise and fall to mm. see him and Lisa and their kids all loving the Lord and serving the Lord, either in the marketplace or messenger or whatever. I mean, John Brevere's uh, a, 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 an individual I highly respect in and of itself. But to to see that we built a company where some of the people who didn't share Christian values had ideologies very different than mine thanked me for that session. Mm. Some of the people I actually thought, oh, I wonder how they're going to feel. Some of the other speakers came up to me and they're like, thank you so much for like being yourself, being authentic. So I feel like creating a culture. And by the way, Jesus said we would be persecuted. Mm. I was just surprised by the lack of persecution. I was prepared <laughs> for it. I plan for that to happen in the future because I'm told that actually it's one of the Beatitudes and I should rejoice when that happens. So I'm like, if I'm missing that, then maybe something's wrong. All that to say is I think building a faith-driven company, John Bevere taking buses from our event and, and, and making videos 
it's not we're not trying to like overly do it or force it but when i feel like it's right i think i made a video on three secrets every youtube creator should know from the bible mm-hmm. and i think that that's my ultimate goal is as i mentioned earlier uh wanting to be like Daniel, having uncompromising faith and real influence in Babylon mm. as we're building what we're building at Think Media. That's what I'm most proud of. That's that's amazing, man. Before we get to these last couple questions, man, how can people connect uh, with you? Where can they learn about Video Ranking Academy? How do they get into your world? Yeah, you know, if you... Uh want to connect. My name is Sean Cannell, rhymes with YouTube channel on all the social media platforms. Fake Media is the YouTube channel. I think YouTube Secrets for all the readers. That's a great book. Benji and I wrote that. Second edition's out. So that's on Amazon and ebook, the physical and ebook. And then there is the audible version as well if you are an audiobook person. And that's new and updated like right now. Like that just dropped with uh, updated for a new decade. And so um, that's a good place to start. And then we do have a free class. So if you go to thinkmasterclass.com, You'll learn about Video Ranking Academy at the end. But if you're like, man, I'm serious about YouTube. I would love to get in YouTube. Thinkmasterclass.com is an on-demand class, or sometimes we teach it live, where you could get over my shoulder. You could see Mm -hmm. like how to tactically set this up. And uh, just the class alone would be worth the hour time. But if if uh, Video Ranking Academy is right for you, uh, you, you'll learn about that during that class as well. That's awesome, man. Well, bro, um, this has been incredible. I I hear... You know, we don't get to chat as much. You know, we all run in and busy, but I hear a lot of of the way you lead with um, with Nolan, Nolan Molt, my pastor's son and the creative director at Think Media. And, and he just talks about your um, once a month you do something with Craig Crochelle. You do like this leadership training and just blown away, man, at, at your leadership, your wisdom and uh, just being such a great, great friend of mine. This has been a tremendous, tremendous time together. So thank you for just being you and showing up the world in the world the way God has created you, not being a clone of a clone, but being exactly who he's made you to be and continue to strive to be that even more. I think that's such a beautiful and powerful thing, man. Bro, what is your definition of holy hustle? Two definitions, Proverbs 24, three through six in the TPT, which I understand is kind of a controversial thing, but for in context, maybe it's not the the passion translation it's the passion paraphrase fair whatever but it's pretty good verse uh wise people are builders they build families businesses communities and through intelligent and insight their enterprises are established and endure because of their skilled leadership the hearts of the people are filled with treasures of wisdom and the pleasures of spiritual wealth i think people that are on the holy hustle are builders They're building families, they're building businesses, they're building communities. And my definition of holy hustle is holy hustle is solving problems, creating value, and building a business, family, and life with eternity in view. Come on, man. That's awesome. I receive that, bro. Um, You travel back in time um, when you're getting ready to, maybe you're building, you're thinking about this business, or it's a hard time building this business, and you're in a season like you know, your younger self, maybe 15, 20 years ago, you could travel back in time and give Sean Cannell that rhymes with YouTube channel, some wisdom, some advice, some encouragement to keep going. What advice do you give him? I thought a lot about this. If I was to give young Sean some advice, I have a very clear message for him. Don't neglect your health. Mm. I am grateful that I'm having some progress with extreme chronic pain in my hands, wrists, and forearms. But I have dealt really since 
early 30s, about 32, and I'm almost 40, with extreme is a probably accurate word and various times of pain in my arms because of overworking from essentially 20 to 32 for about 12 years of working at a computer with not thoughtful about ergonomics, not thoughtful about breaks, but also more than that, not lifting heavy things or doing strength training that could have counteracted some of the things that happened. And I'm happy to report that I feel like I caught this maybe sooner than later, and I'm grateful to be investing in my health now in that regard. But I'm actually sure that could have been avoid, avoided. And I wasn't positive. Uh, I didn't know this until I was reading the study, study notes on Epaphroditus and Paul in Philippians. And it talks about Epaphroditus, and it says he was sick and he almost died. And you should honor men like him because of how hard they worked, because he was actually being dishonored, because now he was feeble, even though what he had worked is he had gone he'd pushed it too hard. And the word sick wasn't like he got a disease. The word for sick was he overworked. And with that, actually, he he pushed himself too hard, which God does not bless. And so I think that for people that are on that holy hustle, I think that it is possible. Of course, your work ethic's crazy. Of course, you got to burn the midnight oil at times. Of course, you need to, your spouse is probably aware that you're a type A driven entrepreneur. But our theme this year is built to last. Mm. And I, I am grateful I'm catching this message now, but that would have been the one thing because I'm actually confident we could have done everything we've done. Mm. And I could have also just not neglected my health. Or if I, we weren't where we are now, but we were where we are four years from now is like the same place. I would have much rather have been there without sacrificing my physical health by not allowing time. I could have had more discipline during, or I could have just carved out more time to, uh, it, it was too much working, sitting and working at a computer and is, is, is killing us. And so uh, standing desk, uh, breaks, you know, and that's a conversation for another day. It's been a great, it's been a decade journey of health solutions and all kinds of different things and doctors and my own health journey. But thank God for all the lessons. And I believe I'm going to be able to help a lot of people. Esports gamers are struggling with this kind of stuff now. Young kids are like this. It's it, chronic pain, carpal tunnel, uh, repetitive stress injury is an absolute plague it, it, on the world because of all the computer work and office work. And so I actually feel kind of a call and maybe even some some of a ministry or business in the future or something that will kind of do in that regard because of what I've gone through personally. But I'll tell you this, it was avoidable. Mm. And if I, if I hadn't have neglected my health, um, I would not be in this situation right now. And my prayer and my belief in God's goodness and giving me grace, as well as my stewardship of what I'm doing to take responsibility for this is I want to be like Caleb and I want to stand up at 85 and say, I'm just as strong today as mm. I was 40 years ago. Uh, why well, I had to wait because of you guys, uh, uh, you know, delaying our time going into the promised yeah. land. And so I, I would challenge those listening to this to be thinking about you're going to be able to if you can multiply your years and that's in God's hands, but wisdom will multiply your days and multiply your years. Mm. It like you will have compounding levels of impact as wow. you age. What do I know? I'm only 39 about to turn 40, but, but 
that man, if you could just keep this thing going and, and, and not break down and not burn out our mutual friend, Carrie Newoff talks about his mm-hmm. burnout story. Our last year's theme was at our best as mm-hmm. a team. This year's theme is built to last, man. This is the thing I'm leaning in on. There's something to this. Let's holy hustle this thing up. Let's sprint. Let's take advantage of these opportunities right now, but not sacrificing what matters most, not sacrificing our families, our faith, our health. That's what I would talk to, uh, that's what I'd say to my younger self. That's awesome, man. Well, bro, I love you. Thank you for being one of the first. You're helping me launch this podcast. It means um, the world to me, man. And uh, yeah, love you. Love your family. And excited to see what the next decade, your 40s looks like. And uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you for doing this with me. I appreciate you, Alejandro. Can we pray over this podcast as we land yeah, the plane on this it. early I episode? I appreciate it. Yeah. So God, we just thank you uh, so much for um, Holy Hustle. God, I thank you for the vision you've put inside of Alejandro. God, I thank you that uh, you've prepared this podcast and his business for such a time as this. God, you're amazing in how you weave together all the different ups and downs, challenges, peaks and valleys, and all the wisdom he has gained from all the different projects and businesses and ministry and people that he's helped. And God, you are the master potter weaving all Mm. these things together, forming this thing into uh, just a massive place of impact for leaders and people. And God, we just thank you so much for what you're going to do for this. We just invite you, Holy Spirit. We commit these plans to you. You direct our steps, but we commit these plans to you. God, we say, make this successful, God. And uh, Father, I pray that you would use this to multiply thousands of people, men and women, but specifically Mm. even men, raising up men to lead strong, be strong fathers, strong business leaders, to take authority, to step up and be responsible, to lead their businesses to untold levels of impact, of blessing, of influence. And God, I just thank you for this unique message and gift you've put on Alejandro. He is a preacher. He is a prophet. He is a strategist. He is full of wisdom. He is like the sons of Issachar, he sees the signs of the times and he knows what Israel should do, the strategic moves they should make. And so I thank you for him. And I'm so honored to be here at this seed round, at the seed stage of the holy hustle. So we give you all these things in Jesus name. Amen. 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 All right, brother. I love you, man. I love you. 